Time for Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. Dr. Chen is the pastor at Grace Church of the Bay Area, a church committed to glorifying the Lord Jesus Christ through verse-by-verse expository preaching to learn exactly what God has revealed in His Word. Now, here's Dr. Chen with today's message. One of the most comforting aspects of Christianity is knowing that we serve and we follow an all-wise God. But we can all agree that His wisdom is not just any wisdom. In fact, God's wisdom is so great, it is so superior, it is so awesome that it is actually considered foolishness by man. That's not just true because, as we're told in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, that the natural man, the unbelieving man, cannot understand the things of the Spirit because they are spiritually appraised, but also because the focal point of God's plan of salvation, the cross, was to man at that time a symbol of shame and failure, but to God the means of victory. In our passage this morning and next week, Paul capitalizes on this human confusion by referring to God's superior wisdom as foolishness because that is indeed how the unbelieving man sees it. And in so doing, Paul shows us that even the foolishness of God is wiser than the highest of human wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, if you would turn there with me. 1 Corinthians Chapter 1, we'll be breaking up this passage over two weeks. Paul writes, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God. God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. This morning and next week, we will be looking at, for our outline, six superiorities of the wisdom of God. Six superiorities of the wisdom of God in comparison to the wisdom of man, to the wisdom of the world, to secular wisdom, status quo, society, all of that. So much so, as we will see and as we've just read, that the wisdom of God, so far superior than man, that many consider it foolishness. The first superiority of the wisdom of God is that the wisdom of God divides mankind. The wisdom of God divides mankind. Paul continues with this theme of division, but with an emphasis on the wisdom of God versus the wisdom of man. Our second superiority of the wisdom of God is that the wisdom of God denigrates worldly wisdom. 
The wisdom of God denigrates worldly wisdom. For Paul and us, we have a world around us that chooses to be their own God. Now, they, they most likely wouldn't say it that way. Your, your non-Christian's friends don't, I don't think they tell you that, right? Oh, no, I like to worship myself. But their pursuits and their lifestyle and ultimately the rejection of the gospel show us where their hearts lie. They want to be their own God. They want to be the masters of their own universe. They assume they don't need God because they think they can make it on their own. And they, they look at what the world values. They look at their success. They look at their happiness. They look at their apartment or even their house. I don't, I don't need God. And here's the thing. With all human wisdom and cleverness comes arrogance. Even those who are the brightest in the fields of science, for example, so often use what they study to deny the existence of God. Yet what they study cannot be truly explained outside of an all-wise creator. They deny him, not because they have proof of a big bang creating the intricacies of life down to the smallest minutia. It's simply pride in one's own intelligence. And this God destroys by the true wisdom of his character and salvation plan. This is nothing new to God. Throughout history, man has proudly believed that their wisdom is superior to God's ways. Even in the midst of being led by God after a miraculous deliverance from Egypt, they thought they knew better. Oh, where's Moses? Let's make an idol. And as Aaron claimed, oh, the golden calf just popped out of the fire. We see the same thing today. Even in this room, Many of you can attest to the futility of man's wisdom in comparison to God's. Growing up in the church, some of you then walking away for a time, living in rebellion against parents and against God and church, only to to realize the destructiveness or futility or both of living a life apart from Him. Even those of us thriving in our relationships with Him realize how foolish our behavior and actions are when we turn away from His Word in disobedience. Here's the bottom line. (laughs) Don't try to match wits with God. You will fail. But don't we do that all the time? Say, no, not really. Sure you do. Sure, I do. Every time you question a principle or a command in Scripture, every time you choose to feed your flesh and sin rather than discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness, whether it's greed, pride, anger, lust, whatever, every time you turn to secular psychology rather than the Word of God, aren't you saying that your own wisdom or the wisdom of the world is at least at the same level, if not greater, than the wisdom of God? when you pursue your way or the world's way? Oh, Roger, when you put it like that, it sounds horrible. Not as horrible as our actions declare. As we move on to verse 20, we see an almost mocking inquiry into the worldly wise. He questions the presence and prominence of three different types of people that would be considered wise in society. He says, where is the wise man? In ancient Israel, these would be mediums and wizards. 
A good example would be Pharaoh's wise men. They're sorcerers and magicians that are mentioned in Exodus. Remember, they were somehow able to re- reproduce a couple of the, the miracles that God performed through Moses. But in the end, when the boils came, they couldn't even stand, Exodus says, they couldn't even stand before Moses because of the pain. In Paul's day, the wise man would be the great thinkers and the philosophers of ancient Greece. Then he goes on and he says, where is the scribe? When the Assyrians conquered Israel, a reference to that invasion I uh, spoke of earlier from Isaiah 29, they actually sent scribes, not military men, scribes along with the soldiers to keep account of all of the spoils of war, to write down everything that they were taking from Israel. Ultimately, God would crush them to the point that he says in Isaiah 33:18 of those scribes, your heart will meditate on terror. Where is he who counts? Where is he who weighs? They would weigh the gold and all the valuables. Where is he who counts the towers? In fact, some believe Paul is paraphrasing that very verse, Isaiah 33:18, here in 1 Corinthians 1:20. He destroys them. And in Paul's day, these would be the, the Jewish scholar, the rabbis, the teachers of the law. If you have the NIV, it actually uh, translates this word, the scribe, as scholar. Then he goes on to this third group. Where is the debater of this age? Uh, there's no Old Testament counterpart that we know of for debater. But for ta- Paul's time, this would, would be the philosopher, right? Who would, who would debate other philosophers on the meaning of life and things like that. And with his fourth question, he answers the first three. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Understand, these are, these are people that he's just mentioned that, that people would follow. Right? We see this in the Gospels, right? Pharisees, Sadducees, the scribes, these are the people were following them. They were obeying them. These are the people who, uh, whose books we would have on our shelves, uh, whose books we would be required to buy in college for a ridiculous amount of money, right? Famous people who are uh, filling, filling up uh, meeting rooms and, and big auditoriums because they're giving a TED Talk or giving a speech. These are the smart people that the world extols and looks to and says, teach me, make me better, change my life. And God says he has made them foolish. To make foolish also means to consider as nonsense. To make dumb. Could you imagine this? Someone who is, who is considered one of the, the smartest people, the greatest authors in our day and age. Thousands of testimonies have changed lives and God says, you're just dumb. Can you imagine that? Right? all the security, all these people hanging on every word, all these reporters. And in the crowd you hear, ha ha, dummy. Who's that? It's God. It's foolish. These people are, are foolish in comparison. Now, now, when he says he's made foolish the wisdom of the world, this is not a reference to any one or even these past three philosophical systems, but all the wisdom of the world. And the wisdom of the world, again, is not so much a system of thought, but an attitude that is characterized by pride. 
Remember that word hubris? That would be fitting here. The style of life, this style of life, is epitomized by these three mentioned categories as those would be perceived as the smartest, the wisest, the experts of their day. And even in their expertise, they are limited to the partial knowledge of finite man. Add to that the susceptibility of self-deceit and the obsession with status, and you have a vile combination. Because of the onset of such blindness, this wisdom is opposed to God. It seeks salvation only in that which condemns. But in one fell swoop, the cross did what human wisdom failed to do. And what's more, the gospel is impenetrable to human wisdom. It doesn't meet the desires of man, which is solid evidence and sound reasoning. It is just truth and faith. And so the wisdom of God is deemed foolish by man, but the irony lies in the fact that it is with this so-called foolishness that human wisdom has been made useless. To be clear, Paul is not rejecting this kind of wisdom because it is wisdom, but because it is worldly. It's that defining characteristic that it is worldly, that this kind of wisdom is shown to have the focus on the wrong attitudes and behavior in the pursuit of wisdom and even the end goal. Think about it. If your goal is self-glorification and feeding your ego, then you will not submit to a wisdom that says someone did it all for you. You won't submit to a wisdom that says you have nothing to brag about in regards to your own accomplishments. That symbol foolishness accomplished it for you. And if you just want to glorify yourself and feed your ego, you're not going to follow wisdom that says there is, in fact, a higher power that you need to submit to in every thought, word, and deed. Worldly wisdom, at its core, is flawed because at its core is self. Now understand that there are things, we're not saying ditch math and ignore your doctor. This is not what we're talking about. Ultimately, we're talking about the wrong attitude that rejects God. God has given us us much by way of science and nature that helps us be the kind of people he wants us to be, to live long and prosper, if you will, so that we can serve him, so that we can worship him. But here's the problem. We take that as Christians, and we sprinkle in a few dashes, and then we start pouring in worldly wisdom that God has given us all our gifts, all our talents, every nickel in our bank account, and then we borrow from worldly wisdom and say, I'm going to use that for myself. That's not why God gave it to you. Does he want you to enjoy life? Sure. Does he, does he want you to have a roof over your head and a car to get around and, and maybe some extras like a, a, the newest cell phone and, and vacations? Sure. But if you're using it all for yourself, again, for self-glorification and ego, 
That's almost worse than people who, it is worse than people who don't know God and follow worldly wisdom. How much worse it is, is it than people who do know God and then say, thank you for all the resources, God, now I'm going to use it the way the world does. For me and me and the third person, me. And we do that, right? And uh, can I, as my old pastor said, can I get in your kitchen a little bit? I don't want you to feel comfortable because you say, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm starting to share the gospel with this one guy at work. 40 hours a week, three minutes of evangelism. Looks like me, me, me to me. You see, just because you're doing spiritual things doesn't mean you are using God's resources the way He wants you to. Right? Uh, Are you supporting missionaries? Are you supporting Christian organizations? Are 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 you doing Christian things with your money? With your time? With your talents? I believe that God is sovereign. I believe he knows that, especially in this area, a larger percentage of your income needs to go to housing and bills. It's not what we're talking about. It's not about percentage, but is, are you taking, are you scraping every last bit, every excess that God has given you? In the gray area of wants versus needs and necessities and using all of those for yourself? Or are you helping other people? Are you taking the time to Netflix and chill? Or are you getting on the phone and calling people? How can I pray for you? How did that go? You mentioned this in small group. Was that today? How did your test go? Right? Or we're just ah, done with work. Got to relax now. Praise God for relaxation. I think we all need to evaluate. And you know what one of the challenges, but I also find one of the most exciting things about the Christian life is until we die or until we are raptured, we are, we are never there. Right? That can be frustrating. Right? There, there's a joke. Remember, remember when uh, there was that term going postal? Because it seemed like at least once a year, a postal worker would go back to the, the post office and, and hurt people. And I heard a joke, and maybe it's true, is it's, you get frustrated because the mail never ends. You get through delivering one day, and then you go back, and then there's more mail to deliver, and it just keeps coming and keeps coming, which is probably the case with most of your jobs, right? It just keeps a new project, new project. But that's the beauty and challenge of the Christian life. And you can see it as negative or positive. You can wake up and, and shake your fist at God and say, why? I, I just want to be done with this. Why won't you help me, God? Or you can wake up every morning and go, there's more sin I can repent of today to God's glory. I can spend more time and energy and thought and money advancing the kingdom of God in the world and in my life today because I'm not done yet. We're not done yet. Let's keep going. That's wonderful. 
I get it's different at work, right? More work, same pay. It doesn't seem to make sense, but you get to. You get to. Even by looking at your own life, even by just waking up in the morning, looking in the mirror and saying, I need to change this today. One small thing. doesn't even involve anyone else, and you can glorify the king of the world, the creator. Is that not a privilege? I mean, some of us, I can't do it, I'll hurt myself, but do that, you know, you jump and click your heels because you, you found out that the boss knows your name and I get to make him, I get to make him happy, I get to please him. But the creator of the universe, <laughs> we get to do that every day. Are you getting frustrated with what I'm saying right now? Are you getting annoyed? All you need to do is tell your mind to stop and you've just glorified the God in heaven. That's it. Do you get the amazing privilege that we have? And the world says it's foolish. Another thing I want to point out is that we're not talking about a a, a difference in wisdom in terms of man's wisdom is somehow if we just change our perspective or whatever, we can achieve God's wisdom. God's wisdom is not just a different level. It's just in a completely, it's not on the same scale, right? It's a a completely different universe. Like I wanted to give you an analogy, which I'm going to give you, but it still doesn't fit. The comparison between man's wisdom and God's wisdom is when my three-year-old son sees me eating vegetables, sitting down at the table, and then putting my plate at the sink when I'm done. And he sees me and is like, why would you do that? Just eat candy and then throw the plate on the floor. Why? That's just foolish. Why would you spend time eating yucky things? And instead of playing or spending time getting more candy, you would put away your dishes. That's so foolish. That's idiotic. That's stupid. But we're adults, and we know not eating vegetables has daily and long-term ramifications. And if I just throw my plate on the floor, I'm going to have to buy a new one or clean that up later, right? And even harder, because i got to scrape the dry sauce or whatever off the floor. You get what I'm saying? It's not foolishness to us. Foolishness would be what they're doing. And so now you see the difference. And the reason that analogy falls short is because one day my three-year-old will grow up and he will realize that that was foolish to think that he could eat candy and not put away his dishes. We cannot attain to the wisdom of God, but we can partake of the wisdom of God, which we already have through his spirit, through the faith that he has gifted us in salvation. Well, we've seen two of the six superior superiorities of the wisdom of God. And again, this isn't an issue of superior versus inferior, right? I just explained that. It's not like comparing Einstein's smarts to my smarts. No, it's just, it's a whole different world altogether. In fact, compared to God's wisdom, man's wisdom isn't just inferior. Man's wisdom is not wisdom at all. 
For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? Yes, he has. And hallelujah, amen. Praise him for that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to know you. What a privilege it is to be among your elect that we might know the wisdom of God and see the foolishness of the pursuits of mankind. Help us to be those who rejoice in the daily struggle and desire and ability to honor and glorify you. Help us to recognize and see where the worldly wisdom may be infiltrating our spirituality and our pursuits and the way we take which can be turned spiritual and holy and good and use it for your glory and reject that which is sinful, selfish, and egotistical. Help us in our daily sanctification. Help us in our pursuit of holiness. Help us in our desire to worship you and our proactive engagement with the lost. In Jesus' name. Amen. This has been Grace to the Bay with Dr. Roger Chen. Grace to the Bay is the radio ministry of Grace Church of the Bay Area, practicing and proclaiming the purity of biblical truth. You're invited to join them for worship service in Burlingame, Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit the website gracebayarea.org for directions and other information or to view a live stream of the service. As a listener-supported program, we ask that you consider making a tax-deductible donation so that we can continue to share Pastor Roger's teaching with you each week. Donations can be made through our website, kfax.com.